Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. The Lord Jesus is doing amazing things in the Middle East, in particular in Israel. And we've got Dr. Erez Soraf, a Jewish psychologist with us. He grew up in Israel and never heard anything about Jesus. But now he's the president of One for Israel, which started as a Bible college, but has expanded to a multifaceted ministry with the goal of reaching Israelis with the good news of Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew. And he's joining us today from Israel, from Jerusalem. We would love to hear a little bit of your story. We want our listeners to get to know you personally a little bit. Can you share with us where did you grow up and what was that like for you? Yeah. So, first of all, wonderful to be with you. I've grown up in in Israel, in uh, one of the major cities, and you know, to what we would call here a traditional Jewish family, which is, I guess, somewhere like a conservative, I guess, Jewish family in the U.S. Not exactly, but about. Yeah. So that means that you know, we would go to the synagogue on the high holidays, and we would celebrate the major holidays, but. In all truth, God was very, very far away. Maybe he had something to do with our people many, many years ago, but, you know, he's kind of running the universe, so he has more important things than our mere existence. And uh, I think that's fairly typical to the mindset of a lot of Jewish people and certainly a lot of Israelis. So you're growing up in a, a religious Jewish family. You know, the traditions are important to you. I guess bring us to the the circumstances. What were you doing before you met Yeshua? You came into a relationship with Yeshua. Just to clarify, my family was not quite orthodox. Traditional is, is you know, we, we lived our life fairly freely, but identity as, as Jewish people was quite important. Now, maybe that's a better way of putting it. So in Israel, I, you know, we have, after high school, we have a three-year military service, mm-hmm. compulsory service. And I've, once I completed the service, like a lot of other people, I've decided to kind of was looking back at my life, said, wow, I've been running, running, running for 20, 21 years, you know, from kindergarten to school to bar mitzvah to high school to the military. And I never had a choice. Kind of that was the path mm-hmm. that was before me. And I just ran it. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to take a year off and it's going to travel the world and kind of think of what I want to do with my life type thing. And that's what I did. Like a lot of Israelis, I went to uh, Southeast Asia. For me personally, it was not so much a, or at least a conscious spiritual search. I think a lot of Israelis do go there for more of a spiritual search and and so on. You know, they visit both uh, Buddhist and Hindu you know, ashrams or temples or whatever. Uh, it was not like that for me. Again, I was I was surrounded by it, but I can't say I was actively looking for it. And so after about a year of that, I ended up in Amsterdam, Holland. And there for the first time in my life, I met a group of believers in Jesus, which was very surprising to me because I it's kind of ridiculous to think about it. But I've even though I've grown up in Israel, been to Jerusalem, been to Nazareth, been to the Sea of Galilee, I've never really heard about Jesus of Nazareth, which is kind of, again, it's weird. And, you know, in Israel, I've never seen the New Testament, never met a, what we would call a born-again Christian. And so that was kind of surprising to me. And the people I met told me that Jesus changed their lives. And I told them, well, good for you. I hope you have a you know blessed life. And mm. 
you know, and everything like that. I said, no, no, you can change your life too. I said, well, you know, I, first of all, my life's fine and I don't really need any change, but also I'm Jewish and, you know, we don't believe in Jesus. And they were, um, you know, like, well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Jesus was Jewish. So I said, I, honestly, I don't know much about that. I never heard that before, mm-hmm. but I do know that we don't believe on him. That in some way began, that kind of <laughs> captured my attention and I've begun to look at their life a little more. And, and that was really surprising. And I also want to just say to uh, listeners that have Jewish friends or family if they know that you are followers of Jesus, they're observing your life. <laughs> so the two things I've seen was, one, they were, to my absolute shock, some of them were familiar with passages in the Hebrew Bible, or what we often refer to as the Old Testament, passages that I've never seen before. You know, Jewish people, Now I'm just saying, Jewish people in general do not look at passages Uh, particularly from the prophets that contain prophecies about the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So that was really shocking to me that they even knew it. I mean, that they even knew where they were, also the content Mm -hmm. of the prophecies, but even the fact that they they even knew it. So how come you guys know the the Hebrew Bible? Not that I know much about Christians, but you guys are supposed to read the New Testament. The Hebrew Bible is ours type thing. And they were like, no. And And they said, no, no, we read the whole, you know, the whole Bible. We read the whole of it. The Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. I've never seen that. (laughs) And so that certainly perked my attention. And the second thing that was even more shocking is the way they prayed. Dr. Sorf, you were sharing how, you know, growing up in Israel, you didn't have a lot of interaction with people who followed Jesus. But as a young adult, when you did meet Christ followers, there were just a couple things that surprised you about us. We want to hear from you. You know, you'd mentioned that the way that Christians prayed was shocking to you. What was it about how they prayed that stood out to you? It's a spontaneous prayer. You, mm-hmm. you talk to God. That was very surprising because you don't really do that in, in the Jewish world. I mean, we have in our, you know, in our uh, prayers that, that are done corporately, they're not usually done personally, uh, they're very beautiful. Many of them, you know, you read the psalm, part of it is psalms, and just wonderful, beautiful prayers. You know, you don't really do very much spontaneous personal prayers. So that was surprising. I remember, <laughs> I remember once uh, one, of the, one of the people there asked me if I wanted to pray. And I said, look, you know, we don't, we don't pray this way. I mean, it's kind of nice how the, the way you do it. It seems like God is your friend or something, which is another <laughs> weird kind of thing. But yeah. we don't do that. You know, the last time I prayed, they gave me a page in my bar mitzvah and I read it. You know, so I, I don't really know how to pray besides that. And so anyhow, again, this is this is definitely caught my attention. I think what began happening to me happening to me at that time was what Paul is calling the Gentiles to cause the Jewish people to jealousy. Mm. And that's the way to cause spiritual jealousy, which, by the way, I'm just going to put in parenthesis, but that is actually one of the most important missiological tasks of the church and probably one of the most ignored ones, causing the Jewish people to jealousy. So anyhow, long story short, in my own case, um, that kind of provoked me enough for curiosity to begin reading the New Testament. And as I began to read the New Testament, I was really surprised. I discovered I had a prejudice against Jesus. I never knew I I did, but I did. 
the second thing that was really surprising in the New Testament that it was actually very attractive, particularly Jesus was attractive. And it was not like other religious figures. He wasn't trying to do religious stuff for, you know, to get something. I mean, it, was, it was genuine. And I felt very drawn to him. And so after a, a season of a couple of months of soul searching and heart searching, I have really wanted to discover. I mean, I honestly thought I was the first Jewish person to have made this discovery in 2000 years since Paul or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I I discovered, I, I had to admit to myself that I actually believe that he is the Messiah the Hebrew Bible is talking about. Mm. And so I've prayed to him in my own words, and I've asked him to forgive my sins and asked him to be my Lord and to be his disciple and follow him. And following that, I've began to see changes in myself and the following days and weeks had a great hunger for the Word of God. I really wanted to fellowship with other believers in Jesus. And I had a, a great joy on the one hand, but also a great burden. It couldn't couldn't escape just thinking about my family and my friends, our neighbors and, and our people that just never get to hear this, you know, the good news of, of the Messiah. And so pretty quickly felt that the Lord is leading me to change my plans. And I went back home, told my parents, my brothers, my extended family, uh, my friends, and basically everybody else that I met about this great discovery. The response was not what I expected. I was really hoping and praying for just a wonderful revival to break in. And the initial response was not very positive. And it kind of varied from sending me to a rabbi to sending me to a psychiatrist. But then the the good side in all that is that I've discovered that there were other believers in Jesus in Israel. And I've joined the congregation of uh, Jewish believers in my hometown. It was just uh, just really wonderful to to discover that I wasn't the only one. Hmm. And so that was uh, just over 30 years ago. And since that time... There's been a whole lot of change in the Israeli society and the Jewish society, I think also around the world, where I think the biggest change is that once again, after almost 2,000 years, really after the what we read in the book of Acts, the messiahship of Jesus is once again mm. a topic of conversation in the Jewish world. Now, this is to the, you know, the chagrin of some people, but also to the joy of many others. Dr. Soroff, the president of One for Israel, oneforisrael.org. And he mentioned how, you know, during his meeting of believers, how two things impressed him about the believers. One, that they knew his own scriptures better than he knew his own scriptures. And second, just the way they prayed in intimate relationship with God. They prayed out loud like God was a friend. And this made him interested and attracted to the God of the Bible. And he mentioned this principle of Gentile believers causing Israel, Jewish people to be jealous. And it's in Romans chapter 11. It says, because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. That's Romans 11, 11. So, he just explained how this happens. Mm-hmm. It's not this, oh, now we're chosen and you're not. It's just this see, Jewish people seeing this beautiful relationship mm-hmm. that we have with God through Christ, with the God of Israel through Christ, and that they would see the beauty of that. They would see 
the winsomeness of that. They would see the love that we have, the love we have for them, the love we have for others, which means we got to be, you know, around people who are Jewish and really showing Christ. And and that's what happened for Dr. Soroff. And it's happening in, in Israel as Jews come to faith in Jesus and others are watching them, families coming to Christ. It's awesome. Yeah, and the jealousy part is they're seeing a relationship with the Lord and their hearts long for it. Yeah. They want it. Like, yep. I want what you have. That's exactly. what jealousy is. I want what you have. So I feel inspired by hearing Dr. Soros, you know, testimony has, and his, um, how he was drawn to Jesus by Christ followers and their relationship with God to just be more open about talking to God with other people. Yeah. Letting them be a part of that conversation and seeing that friendship kind of like, opening up the door and, and letting him inside. Yeah, it's absolutely a principle, not just with, you know, believers in Jesus and Jews, but it's it's a principle for us as believers as yeah. we live out our genuine faith in Jesus. Obviously, we're not all put together, but we're all in with Jesus and people are drawn to that. Yeah, and I think specifically here in West Michigan, it's not that people aren't familiar with religion. Mm. They just maybe have never seen what the relationship looks like. Yeah. Huge difference between religion and relationship. And if you know Jesus, you know what the difference is. So just go out there and show that difference. Okay? Can you just share with us what One for Israel is and what you do? So in a lot of ways, One for Israel was born out of that passion to to tell our people about Jesus in a way that that they can relate to and, and understand. So the Lord is about 10 years after I started following him, I got married and I went to the U.S. to do my doctoral studies actually in, in the Chicago area. I, went, hmm. I did my doctorate at Wheaton College. Nice. Upon return, I joined the, the kind of only, well, the beginnings of the only Hebrew-speaking Bible college in the world. I became the academic dean, and later on, I I've become the president. And so we're still we're still continuing with the Bible College. The vision is to train the believers in Jesus to life and to ministry. And so to date, we have we had the privilege of providing training for the vast majority of the pastors and the leaders, including our most recent program was a program for women leaders. Uh, you know, something unusual in the Middle East, we have the privilege of um, training both the Jewish believers in Jesus and the Arab believers in Jesus. In Israel, there's a, a 20% of the population in Israel are Arab people, uh, where Arabic is the first their first tongue. And so, you know, in the Messiah, we get to celebrate our unity. And certainly the Bible College is one of those instances. Out of the Bible College, there's also the One Fraser Bible College. We've also begun about 10 years ago an evangelistic type ministry. So, you know, in the past, if you wanted to share a message, you put a a bucket or whatever in a street corner and the square and you would, you know, speak out your message. And about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I guess by now, we have come to a conclusion, the Lord really kind of led us to to see some research that the public square is no longer out there in the in the physical square but it really is in the in the virtual space mm-hmm. so it's in in your mobile phone and your social networks and all that and so we have moved to a new campus we've built television studios radio station 
we've begun to invest a lot of effort and resources and manpower and time to creating content that we've put out in video form to tell our people about Jesus. And so, you know, Israel is a country of roughly 9 million people at this time. And in the last few years, those videos have been viewed in Hebrew only more than 50 million times. Wow. So just enormous exposure to the message of Jesus. And we have received, we are receiving, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people contacting us. Um, it's both to express their interest for some, for the majority, but also some to express their frustration with us and in some cases even hatred. But this is part of what I mean, that the exposure to the message of Jesus has you know, gotten tremendously super encouraging. So would you say with the number of times the videos have been streamed, have been watched, would you say that every single Hebrew person, Hebrew speaking person in the world, I think there are 9 million? So, yes, I would say Hebrew speakers. Yeah, yeah. there's probably about 9 million. That would, be, that would be correct. Would you say that every Hebrew speaker has come across your videos? I, I would be hesitant to say it this way because I think many of the views or the, the vast majority of the views are by people under 35 or 40. Okay. So I think the viewership is skewed pretty significantly towards people under 40 or even under 30. Sure. And so this is why I would be hesitant to say that everyone above that, but I would definitely say everyone under 30, some exposure to our videos, that's for am- sure. That's amazing. We'd love to hear one story of something that God's doing through One for Israel right now. I know there's a lot of, probably a lot of big, exciting things, but if you could just zoom in and share with us one story, that would be awesome. So here's a message we got just the other week. I actually have it in front of me, so I'll read it. Hello again. I just wanted to say I finished reading the New Testament, not quite in the right order because I was curious to read Revelation before I got to some of the letters or epistles. <laughs> and I wanted to say thank you that I was exposed to it through your videos and to the faith in Messiah in general, which has changed, is changing, and will continue to change my life forever. I thank Father God and the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, that they led you to spread the good news in these days to both Jews and Gentiles. I really hope that one day, if the Lord wills, I could join and help you in whatever you need. So that was, you know, it was, I'm sorry, I was translating from the Hebrew as I was going. Now that was really but, impressive if you were translating as you went. <laughs> that's a Jewish person who has embraced right. Messiah, Jesus. That's right. That's beautiful. That's right. Maybe one of those other stories that you've got up in front of you. So we had another person, this is from, I don't know, about 10 days ago, and he contacted us. So we asked him, uh, who is Jesus for you? And he says the following, he says, Jesus for me is the Messiah. I need to get stronger in my faith because I'm afraid of what others will think. And I don't know how to explain it all to them. I'm reading the Bible, though. And this is, this is a young woman. This is a conversation following her watching, you know, some of those videos. have these Jewish people who are embracing Jesus as the Messiah. At the same time, you you have this opposition 
and you have uh, you're facing a lawsuit right now. Not the first, but it's a it's the latest lawsuit against you. Can you talk about that? Yes. So uh, it's actually the the first lawsuit was against us was rejected. The court told them that they have no case whatsoever. The judge said, first of all, your lawsuit is ridiculous and they have to pay us financial compensation. And second, this is within the the freedom of speech. And so they can't limit us. Then they kind of, they have basically appealed the same lawsuit to the county court. So it's on a higher court. And basically it's it's against One for Israel and some of our people in the leadership claiming that we have broken the law by uh, soliciting or trying to change the religion to convert minors. And under Israeli law, you know, in Israel, we have freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Evangelism is legal to adults. So if you if you evangelize a minor under someone under 18, that may constitute an, you know, an offense, yeah. which we don't do, by the way. It's very clear on our website and all of our channels that, you, you know, they have to submit that they're 18 and over. But uh, anyhow, that's that's going on. And the request is that our entire YouTube channel will be removed. Initially, Google was co-suited with us. So it was against Google and us. Wow. But then they dropped Google and now it's only against us. And so anyhow. That's something that is still going on. We we do see, maybe I can say a word about the quote-unquote opposition here. First of all, I want to make absolutely clear that those people that call themselves anti-missionaries or whatever, you know, they're trying to limit our activity, which is completely legal, but in no way are they our enemies. I mean, they're actually mm-hmm. the people that we're mm-hmm. trying to reach and, you know, that's it's just uh, what it is. But there are, you know, there are people, it's kind of like Paul, you know, before before Acts chapter 9, have a very deep conviction that they serve God by attempting to stop our activity. Yeah, we continue to pray for them and we continue to pray that the open door that we have right now in Israel will continue. So what are the chances that some judge rules, well, you got to take your YouTube content down? So it has a lot of ramifications well beyond one for Israel and in some ways well beyond, you know, just the the faith in Jesus, because it would be a significant change of the status quo of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. You know, it is our sincere hope and prayer that also in the in the current lawsuit, you know, in the county court, the the judge will rule against it because uh, this is basically an assault on the democratic nature of the country. Really, it's much more than just against us. And so, yeah, that's our that's our prayer. If if a judge does approve it, I think it will have far 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 reaching ramifications for the gospel actually many other different things in the state of Israel. So we, we sincerely pray that it's not going to happen. Dr. Erez Zoroff, the president of One for Israel, oneforisrael.org. Jesus is moving mightily in Israel. And I think it's fair to say that the Holy Spirit is working in Jerusalem 
like he did in the first century, that what's happening right now in Israel and in Jerusalem has not happened since the first century. It's exciting. And the thing that's that's different is that in the first century, they didn't have freedom of speech in Jerusalem. And so there was there was a lot of opposition. And there were, you know, Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. But now you have freedom of speech in Israel and the gospel can go forward, but you still have the opposition. Mm-hmm. And you have this court case and they're just trying to shut them down. And you still have, you know, Jewish, you know, Jewish believers, Hebrew people who follow the Jewish religion, who are who are fervent and passionate, like Paul used to be before he was a believer, just trying to shut this thing down, thinking that they're doing a service to mm-hmm. God if they can shut this down. Mm-hmm. So it's like history repeating itself. Yeah. But just amazing. You know, one for Israel videos, they've got 9 million Hebrew speakers and their videos have been viewed 50 million times. Right. So yeah, people are, li- they're watching the videos, they're sharing the videos, they're rewatching the videos because they're trying to get their mind around this. You know, everything I've been told my whole life, you're saying is not true. You know, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he was here. And, and so we want to support, we want to pray for Israel, but we also want to pray for one for Israel, this ministry, as they continue to share who Jesus is. Yeah. And I think that we should pray. We should, you know, meet up right now and pray about this lawsuit that they're facing. Yeah. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're awakening hearts to who you are in Israel, in the land that you love, in the land where you walked, Father. And we just lift up this lawsuit and just pray that it would vanish, that it would actually come to nothing, that they wouldn't even have to go to court, that you would just take care of it, Father, and that the people who are pushing against the ministry of One for Israel would find you mm-hmm. and fall in love with you, yeah. that their hearts would be turned and they would no longer be against you, Jesus. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Anti-Semitism. I want to get your take on this. You know, I read, I'm told, anti-Semitism is on the rise. Is that the case in the world? And if so, Why? So the short answer is apparently, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm fed by the media like you do. I I mainly read the Hebrew, you know, newspapers, whatever, but it definitely seems like we're reading in the newspapers on a lot of cases, which is kind of amazing, having the fact that it's only about, you know, 70 some years, not even 80 years uh, since the Holocaust occurred. Many times the anti-Semitism is you know, portrayed as, well, we're not anti-Jewish, but we're anti-Israel, which is absolutely nonsense, of course. Although in the U.S., you do have some incidents, you know, like the the most recent one the other year was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where, you know, the whole situation with the synagogue, if you, if you remember, and then just before that, there was an incident on, I think it was in Baltimore on the East Coast somewhere where the synagogue was attacked. So, you know, I think 20, 30 years ago, that was unthinkable in the U.S., I mean, absolutely unthinkable. But it's, uh, it's happening. Why? I think I always say it's really not about Israel. It's about the God of Israel. And it's really not about the Jewish people. It's about the God of the Jewish people. 
And I think anti-Semitism is an expression expression of hatred against God. Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, that's that's probably yeah. kind of sums my understanding on the matter. That's a really deep thought. I mean, it's simple and yet it's deep that the reason for anti-Semitism is is the hatred in our hearts. And I think that, you know, we're born with that, with a fallen heart. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that the Jewish people are morally superior people. I think it just goes to the fact that in grace, God chose Israel millennia ago to be his agents of blessing to the nations. Mm -hmm. And if the posture of our hearts is against God, even unknowingly, probably mostly unknowingly, a hatred will rise up with that whole Mm. thing of, you know, God favored this nation and don't realize that he favored that nation to bless the world. So there's this kind of jealousy as well that's in our hearts. But, you know, the problem is, I think the point is the problem is not out there. It's in me. It's in my heart. It's in the sin that's in my heart. And at the root of my heart, there is a, a natural hatred towards God. You know, that's very humbling but to know that God overcomes the hatred in my heart by loving me. Right. By loving me in Jesus. It makes me think of the scripture, you know, purify my heart, you know, search my heart and see if there is anything in me yeah. that doesn't honor you and that isn't what it should be and, and make me like you, Jesus. Yeah. Lord, let it be created me a clean heart and restore in me a right spirit. The young people, 30 and under, they're interested in watching your videos, making the case that Jesus is the Messiah. Why this generation? It's a good question. First of all, I think, um, you know, we, we are, we're living in a generation where information is much, much more accessible. Unlike previous generations where you had a whole lot more, uh, I, would, I would call it gatekeepers as to the information you process, now you know, everything is out there. I think in general, uh, general culture and certainly general culture in Israel has moved to be more uh, on the secular side, more open to everything, basically. And so within that, you know, there, for us in our reality is we're pleased that our voice can be heard, you know, in that discussion. And our voice meaning about the gospel. It's, it's kind of like the fullness of time kind of idea with, yeah, you know, yeah. with video and right. the accessibility to that, the ability to watch it on your own privately in your own language, God's timing with technology and, and everything like that. Yeah. Right. I think, I think definitely it's a convergence type thing of all those things. And ultimately, of course, God's timing. Is there anything else just beating in your heart that you would just love to share with the people here in West Michigan in the U.S. of A.? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, maybe one other thing beyond the, I don't know, maybe awakening that is taking place among Jewish people, just to mention that there's a similar awakening taking place among Arab people. And for us at One for Israel, it's very important to you know, celebrate that unity among our staff, among our students. We have about about a third are uh, Arab believers in Jesus, about two-thirds are Jewish believers in Jesus. The sons of Isaac, our sons and daughters of Isaac and the sons and daughters of Ishmael, mm. 
get to celebrate, we get to celebrate the unity and the Messiah day in and day out. And so, you know, I think the issue of peace in the Middle East, something that occupies the best minds for a long time and no progress seems to be make, made. And uh, I, I would just say probably because the cause is spiritual and also the cure, if I can put it this way, is also spiritual. So as you pray for the salvation of Jewish people, please also pray for the salvation of uh, Arabic people. I hope you come to visit us in Israel. More people from West Michigan, absolutely. Yeah, would love to. And when we talk about Arabs coming to faith in Jesus, we're talking about, you know, Christian background, but also Muslim background people, right? Right. That's what's really amazing. You've got Jewish followers of Jesus. You've got Muslims who are now following Jesus. You have maybe Arabic people who are culturally Christian following Jesus and bringing all all of the all of the tribes into the family exactly right thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna replay to learn more text us at 800-968-8930 that's 800-968-8930